Jorale. Bienvenidos and welcome to the Familia FFP podcast. I'm your host, Jorge Martin, and we are live on YouTube, Familia. Uh, please make sure to give us a like and subscribe. We would really, really appreciate that. Also, please make sure you're checking out our original content at FamiliaFFB.com. Uh, you can find me at Jorge Martin17 on Twitter. And uh, let's get into it, Familia. Today we have a guest who is muy especial. Jeff Bell, he is one of the truly good guys that I've met in the past year in the fantasy football space. He started creating content just a little bit more than a year ago, and he's already written for big sites like Fantasy Pros before recently accepting a position with football guys. So he's a staffer there, and uh, he's also the co-host of the Devi Royale podcast, and they go into really, really deep dives into into the college football game. So it which is when we really right now is when we're really starting to get uh, excited about it, excited about those prospects that are coming up in the NFL draft. So we are going to tap into that knowledge with Jeff. Uh, please make sure to follow him at one of my favorite Twitter handles at for whom Jay Bell tolls. And uh, aside from all the fantasy football content and all the all the tweeting and everything, Somehow he finds his job, finds time for his day job as an accountant. So we are getting him before his busy season comes in. And something that's always keeps him busy is being a dad. He's, yeah, you know, he's got a, a recent, he and his wife recently had, had another addition to the family, a little girl. So I love girl dads. So right now, uh, bienvenidos to mi amigo, el jefe, Jeff Bell. Jeff, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Jorge, thank you so much for having me on. I'm so grateful to be able to share this platform with you. You know, you're somebody that I've been so fortunate to connect with in the space, and you've always been so very supportive, and everything that you've put out has been fantastic. And so just thank you again for the opportunity to come on with you here tonight. Oh, well, thank you, Jeff. I, I I can't I can't thank you enough. I mean, it's it's so good to hear from somebody else who's putting, you know, grinding and putting stuff out there to see that uh, you know, that People are people are reading it and enjoying it. I mean, I do get some comments here and there, but it's always good to hear it hear it live from peers, people who you, whom you really expect, respect in this game. And uh, uh, but first off, you know, before we get into the NFL draft stuff, I mean, epic Sunday uh, of football. Now I know now every familia, all of you who follow Jeff know that he's a big Bills fan. So uh, I know he smashed a few tables eight days ago. So. Well deserved, well deserved. But I will say before before we get into the Sunday games, uh, you know, you gotta feel better knowing that you got that unicorn, you know, that that unicorn playing quarterback for you. How, how does number seventeen, knowing that that guy is so young, how does that make you feel uh, as a Bills fan? It's phenomenal. You know, I, I I'll go back and forth, but I I tend to believe he's the best quarterback in the in the NFL. Maybe I'm biased in that take, but um, I you see the things that he can do on the field, and and you mention it. He's a unicorn. He's one of a kind, and that just gives you so much belief and hope as a fan base that. Um, and, you know, this is a fan base that it's not easy for us to believe and it's not easy for us to hope because we had the disappointing losses and the four falls of Buffalo are on Disney Plus And I watched it this past weekend and because we love Bills fans love to torture ourselves. <laughs> and you can see my guys behind me. So going back and, and then just uh, nothing for 20 years, you know, there was a real drought there. And to have a guy that we just fully believe in that we know uh, he. You, you know, once, once the, you kind of graduate those levels of 
being a fan of like, you're not so much worried about, are we even going to make the playoffs? You're immediately worried about winning the division and playoff seeding and things like that, because, and and then how is it going to shake out when we get in there? Now, obviously they had the loss eight days ago, which was probably the most painful football game of my entire life. And, and maybe that's because it's, uh, just so recent, but at the same time, it really felt like everything was pulling together and the Bills would be able to make a real run. Um, you know, I, you call me salty if you want to, but I'm thankful to see the Bengals in the Super Bowl. And, uh, it, you know, it, it's it's one of those things that we – I think one of the things that gets lost in the story and especially the budding rivalry between the Bills and the Chiefs is that we traded that draft pick that became Patrick Mahomes. I know. And, and I think it's, it's one of those that it just feels like a curse on this franchise of we we've traded this guy away. We've lost him in the playoffs the last two years, and he's the same age as our quarterback. But um, Josh Allen is a guy that gives you that hope and belief that we'll get one of them. I, you know, I really think it's just a matter of time. I mean, he's so, yeah, Josh Allen is so young. He's so dynamic. I mean, I, I sit there and if I was talking about this, we had Sam Wagman, uh, our fellow thief on last week. And we talked a little bit about what the, how the AFC is really, really stacked up uh, with young quarterbacks. Cause you got the, you got those two guys that you just talked about Justin Herbert in my backyard over here uh, for the chargers, I think is uh, it's funny. I was talking with one of my, one of my primos, my cousins and i was saying you know what uh, what those two what mahomes and allen did on uh, in the divisional round felt like what justin herbert kept doing in that you know in the fourth quarter of that raider game where he just kept yeah. converting and it's just like those guys and i don't see too many I don't, I don't see those guys at least fully formed yet and developed in the nfc so this could be just like an event you know avengers civil war where everybody's uh you know fight you know where you got these behemoths just uh you know banging away at each other and it's just i think it's gonna be special i i think it's gonna be special and um and i will say as a ram fan i'm i i much rather see the bengals than the chiefs and the bills so i would i would imagine you know i don't blame you for that you know and it really reminds me of um i don't know if you like basketball or not or if you're an nba fan or not but um how the west coast the western conference was just so stacked up for all these years whereas like you had lebron out of the east and it was like almost like nobody in the east was really even competing with him meanwhile you had the stacked Lakers teams and you had the Suns, and you had the Spurs and it was like, it just almost feels like that's going on in the AFC NFC right now, where um, your guy, Matthew Stafford might be the best quarterback in the NFC simply by default, depending on what happens with Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady here. Whereas the AFC just seems like you're going to have Justin Herbert missed the playoffs this year. And you know, Lamar Jackson missed the playoffs this year and Deshaun Watson's not even playing right now. So it does kind of remind me of that, just that stacked and um, stacked Western Conference in the NBA that we saw for a lot of the last couple decades. Yeah, and I, I think what's gonna uh, what's gonna happen, and actually, I think we're actually set up to have a pretty good Super Bowl. Uh, I know the Rams are four point favorites. Uh, I know there's going to be a lot of talk about the offensive line, the Rams defensive line against that offensive line of the Bengals. Now you, you got to see a couple Bengal games, one or two Bengal games this year live, right? I went to the Bengals chargers game. So okay. I was able to, to go see the Bengals live. Um, that was one of those. It was just, 
you, you didn't really think that you're seeing a super Super Bowl pe- team at the time, especially they lost that game. And that was one of the classic games of the regular season, if you remember back, because it was it was really back and forth and the Chargers went out to a big lead. Much like we've seen these playoffs, the Bengals were able to scrape and claw, get their way back into it. Ultimately, the Chargers ended up pulling away. Uh, but it just speaks to that depth of talent that is involved in these AFC teams, especially these young quarterbacks. And, you know, the, the Bengals really feel like a team of destiny right now. And they really do. I mean, I, I'm not discounting them in any way, shape or form. I think they're going to be, uh, I, I think it's going to be a bit of a dogfight. I do wonder if uh, Aaron Donald, Von Miller and Leonard Floyd get enough hits on Burrow enough, you know, enough sacks, uh, maybe 10 sacks it'll 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 take to uh, to be able to you know not uh not knock them out but just uh not not have them come back and win uh and i think the rams will be able to make enough plays offensively to, against that defense uh that's really actually they really showed up a lot in the second half last you know they i i you know i don't know what they did i wasn't i i I didn't look at the all 22, all 22. I don't know what they did to really shut down Tyreek Hill in the second half. I mean, he, they, they made him disappear. He didn't see, I don't think he saw a target in the second half. That was what they did a lot of, they, they rushed three guys and they sat two spies back. And so they, they were having these guys back sitting on the crossing in, in the middle routes that the chiefs are so successful on with, they run Travis Kelsey in the middle there, or they've got Tyreek Hill coming across the middle of formation. They put two guys back in those lanes and that kind of took away that underneath. I think there is something Patrick Mahomes has had such an up and down year. I think early in the season, you know, people were so worried about him that had the league figured him out. He got hot a little bit, but I think the biggest difference that when I watched the bills game versus what the Bengals did, the bills kind of gave them those underneath routes and the bills said, well, we don't want to get beat deep on one big play. Whereas the Bengals kind of took the opposite approach and they said, we're going to clog the middle of the field. We're going to take away these things that you're comfortable with. If you're going to go over the top and beat us, go right ahead. And then the second half, Mahomes seemed a little bit gun shy on doing that. Ultimately he tried to do that on the play that resulted on the interception in the overtime. Yeah, that one was uh, that whole thing. I mean, it, it it actually gave me a little bit of oh, maybe these guys could uh, do you know do something similar to Stafford uh, to Stafford and Cup in the in this next game because uh, even though St- you know they were able to get loose a little bit. I mean, Cup was able to get loose and had a great game yesterday against the 49ers against their their defense which i mean their secondary which is one of their uh achilles heels and so did uh obj i i look at that and it's like i still i, I still kind of wonder is that enough of a uh of uh you know kind of like uh you know for the secondary is that enough of an achilles heel for the bengals uh and can they still just rush three guys and and get home i don't know i mean the ram i mean i I, whitworth did get beat a couple of times once yesterday but i don't know if they're going to be able to do that i mean especially they've they've gone up against you know two of the best pass rushes in the last two games uh i i don't know if they're going to be able to just get home with three guys next time and i think that's going to be one of i think so much is going to be said in this in the uh in in the trenches in this game uh yeah 
that's where I kind of landed the same. And and they don't have to do that because uh, Patrick Mahomes has that running threat that Matt Stafford doesn't bring. And so, um, but conveniently for you, nobody decides to cover Cooper cup. And so he's able to <laughs> run wide open for 200 yards every game somehow. And uh, you know, that, that always seems to work in your favor. Um, but it does remind me a lot of the, uh, Chiefs Buccaneers Super Bowl of last year, where um, we kind of were looking at it as the Chiefs have these flashy weapons and they are able to put up points. And then you get into the game and you realize this game is going to be won in the trenches. And I don't know. I don't, I'm never going to. I'm this Bengals squad. I feel like nobody can count them out at this point, especially after being down 21 to three. But it, yeah, you know, you touch on it with the guys with Leonard Floyd, with Aaron Donald, and then with Von Miller too. adding that pass rush. It just kind of seems like it's set up that they're going to be able to control the line of scrimmage and get in Joe Burrow's face. Um, is the stage going to be too big? This is a guy, you know, he's won the national championship and it hasn't seemed like the stage is too big for him at any level. And I do think that from a Rams point of view, I think concern comes in potentially Matthew Stafford has a tendency to make the Matthew, Matthew Stafford play. And, you know, he did it on Sunday. Dart just dropped it. Um, But it does kind of seem like I, you know, I've been watching this guy on red zone for the last 15 years. And it's, it's one of those that you get a good feeling about it. And then the backbreaking interception comes. So yeah, it's going to be a great game. I think it will. I mean, I, I do. I mean, obviously, uh, just from just from a fan stand. I mean, taking the fan outside, being outside of the fan, I, I look at it. I love that the Rams were able to get kind of like the monkey off their back with you know the whole McVeigh against Shanahan thing. And uh, but I, I think more importantly, they won a real dogfight yesterday, and that to me was special because that game was. I mean, those guys were just punching each other all over the place. And I thought it was uh, to be able to win that game uh, and come back in that game I, uh, against probably the best defense they're going to see all season, uh, at least from a de- defensive line standpoint, defensive line and linebackers. I don't know about the, the secondary, but uh, but really just uh, that's what made it special on that one, just to, to be able to win that kind of game. Because I think they kind of let, let up a little bit in the second half of the first game against the 49ers and definitely the second half against the Buccaneers. So, I, you know, playing four quarters, quarters was very important. I think they learned that lesson and I think that's what they're going to need to take into this next one. So love it. Love it. I'm, I'm pumped. You know, this is Jeff Familia. This is just an appetizer for, uh, for everybody, uh, all, all the ad nauseum talk that's going to be happening about the Super Bowl. But I, I wanted to ask a question about, you know, now you're a year into, you know, creating fantasy football content. Cause I think you said you started like in December of, of 2020. That is. Um, yes. Yep. And so to be to what kind of valuable lessons did you feel like you learned that you're going to kind of take into uh, this second full year creating content? Um, so anybody that is looking to progress, the biggest thing, um, you know, we talk about networking in the space, but really it, and it encompasses different things because it, um, it encompasses being able to make relationships with people like yourself and people who are supportive and will be friends and will be there, but also being able to network with where you want to go next. And I think that a lot of people, they, they kind of fall into the, the plan of like, well, I just want to go to any big site. And I think that doesn't really work that way. I think that you need to tailor your content and 
you know, have a site that you really enjoy and, and tell your content to fit within that voice of that site and show that site that you can be a valuable addition to that that team. And, and I think that that's so important. Um, and my biggest takeaway, too, is compartmentalizing and really focusing when you set time aside and get things done, but also to have that balance within your life. You know, I, it's a struggle for me and it was a struggle for me. I really struggled. I'll admit it um, through the spring and the summer last year where I was just pushing so very, very hard to get content out because it was a new thing. I was throwing myself fully into it. While meanwhile, I'm also juggling a day job and then I've got family too. And, and it, I've kind of reached the point in November, December, uh, late October, where I said, what am I doing here? You know, I, I got to make sure that I focus my time and my effort when I put it into this. But at the same time, like, it's so easy to look at your phone when you get home with your kids, I feel like, because Twitter's like right there. And just taking that time and saying, no, like, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to take, you know, I, I don't want to miss my kids growing up. And, and so I think those are the biggest things. Networking is so important. Work very hard, but at the same time, target that work and, and make sure you're being productive in those areas and you're not really spinning your wheels out. And I can tell you about how the, those years go by quickly. I mean, I've got my my uh, my daughter who's a senior in high school, and you know she's getting college acceptances and everything, and it's yeah. just sinking in all the time that yeah, it's this is coming. This is coming. She's going to be flying the nest. She's going to be living a whole different life. And uh, we're not going to have her here at the dinner table every night. So it's, uh, yeah. It, and, and I remember very, very early on, I think she was about three years old. I was, we were at a, a, at a restaurant. This man tapped me on the shoulder and said, don't blink. And I said, what do you mean? Uh, and, and he said, don't blink because uh, I blinked when my daughter was her age and then he pointed to his daughter who was probably 30 and goes, now she's this age. And just yeah. thought, wow. And, it, and it's true. It, it is true. But yeah, enjoy, even, even enjoy the crazy baby days where, uh, <laughs> where they're not sleeping. Uh, cause you, we do laugh about them right now. So I, I don't know how much laughing you're doing right now. The baby's uh, fantastic. So we got the baby awesome. was sleeping through the night at like six weeks almost. So oh. the baby is great. It's that it's the middle one. It's uh, so I have three daughters. I have a six and a half and a three and a half. And then the baby, um, the baby will be five months here tomorrow. And so the baby's been great. Um, it's the three and a half year old that comes raging in at four o'clock in the morning for no reason at all. And, oh. and you try to reset her and get her back to bed. And, and some days that, you know, that's not going to happen. Um, some days she'll play in her room, but um, that's that's really the struggle right now. Uh, that's yo man. Uh, somebody, some I remember people saying talking about terrible twos. And I was like, no, it's not terrible twos. It's three. That's the worst. It's when like the moment three. we got her out of her crib, because like when she was in her crib, it's like she would grab a book and she'd go back to sleep, and we'd see her at nine in the morning. It's like you put her in that big girl bed, and she's got the freedom of the world. So uh, that's been our struggle. Oh man. Oh, I just, uh, uh, I'll, I'll light a candle for you. A veladora. So my friend, Oh, uh, I just, you know, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. I know it, I've still got, I've still got the scars from it, but, uh, oh, right. Man. Um, well let's talk a little draft. So yeah. you guys have been bang I, I, on the Debbie Royale podcast. You guys have been banging on this for months and you guys already have the guys. I mean, I, I listened the other day, you guys did a, a mock, uh, super flex draft and you've been, and you've published, uh, mock first rounds and everything like that. 
that's what a lot of the chatter is going to be over the next three months. We got the combine coming up, free agency, so teams are going to be able to open up, uh, you know, show what they're going to be looking at, kind of show their cards a little bit about what they're going to be going there. See, I, I play on words there with your Debbie Royale. But you know, you got you get so much of the importance, and actually, this is kind of an important week because you got the East West Shrine Game on Thursday, and you got the Senior Bowl on on Saturday. How should we be watching those games uh, this week, especially since there's no Super Bowl and, you know, the Pro Bowl is really just flag football? Yeah, you know, and the Senior Bowl can be kind of that, too, where um, a lot of focus is going to be on one and one. They really they're not really running um complex concepts they're trying to get guys in a situation where a defensive back is manning up with a corner a wide receiver and seeing who can win in those situations and you'll see a lot on twitter here this week where there will be clips of one-on-one drills in practice and that's a little bit different because it God for, you know, these DBs, I feel so bad for them because there's no pressure on the quarterback and these wide receivers just have all the time in the world to win on these routes. And so they're, they're able to do that on the one-on-ones when it gets into the game a little bit more, then there's a little bit more, you know, you got a safety over the top and you've got, you're not blitzing. They don't allow blitzing in these games, but there is some pressure on the quarterbacks. Um, but what you're really looking for is who can win individual battles, who can create separation for wide receivers, what running back. Um, you know, they really try to put running backs in the situation where they're catching the ball, where they're blocking. They really try to simulate and they do play a game, but simulate game situations as much as possible. Um, quarterbacks, you're looking for ideally ball placement. Are they putting the ball where they need to on the, the route so that the wide receivers can win? Um, and, and so they are, but really winning one on one drills. Okay. Okay. So that, and, and, uh, does it feel like one is a little bit, has more marquee names in it? Uh, yeah, the the senior bowl is, is more definitely more marquee. It's become, um, you know, it's a real, the marketing round has been great, but they've also done a great job of getting key players. And you look at the quarterbacks that are involved this year, it's really every quarterback that you want to see, except for Matt Coral, that is going to be there. And so, uh, the prestige on the quarterbacks at the senior bowl, especially this year, but the other positions, um, it's a little bit ironic because, the best players don't necessarily play in the senior bowl because ideally your best players aren't seniors. You know, your best players are showcasing those abilities. And that's often what you see early in the draft will be underclassmen that have showcased that within their first two or three years, especially at a bigger program. It's kind of a problem if a guy is a senior at an Alabama or a senior at Ohio state, because he's not showing those that ability to advance and go on to the NFL. So it's really key in, um, you know, like, like last year, Javante Williams, um, Mm -hmm. Michael Carter were in the senior bowl. Najee Harris practiced, but he didn't play in the senior bowl. Um, So you'll get some Devonta Smith was a similar situation. He was at the practices. So you will get some guys that, are going to be your top guys, but like Jamar Chase obviously wasn't there last year, and and Kyle Pitts wasn't there last year, and and you know, Trevor Lawrence and and those guys. Yeah, that was the thing I remember. Yeah, no Lawrence, but yeah, you don't. I think at one point they talked about inviting the underclassmen, but I think it just that they just decided to keep it the 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 senior bowl. Now, when when it comes to uh, I kind of like 
what is kind of your process when it comes to studying these guys now that we're out of, or how would you recommend somebody who, uh, as we talked about, are kind of coming into it right now? Uh, is it like watch, you know, watching film on, you know, with YouTube highlights or watching the combine? What, what way would you recommend people kind of uh, learn? So, so Caddy's Cutups, C-A-D-D-Y, um, they, their Patreon is a dollar to join and you can get, you can get all 22 film through that. It's a great database that you're able to access and watch all 22. Um, if you, if you don't do that, you know, YouTube's a great option as well, just to be able to get your eyes on, get comfortable. Um, some websites, um, the FF astronauts, the film room is, is pretty good that they'll do condensed clips, um, in the Debbie community, Brandon Lejeune, the Debbie deep dive. He does a really good job of breaking up games and he'll have YouTube clips that you can watch. Of course, watch my show, the Debbie Royale and Kevin Coleman has been doing a great job with five minute videos coming out about, um, he's kind of looking at Debbie prospects. We're going to have a whole bunch more of those coming out, looking at the guys in the draft and, and you'll see some tape there. Um, Twitter is another good resource, you know, you, you know, search a player name and you scroll over, you can look up video and you can see different videos of him doing things, but there's so many options that are available right now. So that makes it great. Um, you know, I'm, I tend to lean on being a film guy compared to a an analytics guy. Um, it's just one of those that especially early in the process um, just watch a lot of football and, and you can kind of see the things that you want to see. Whereas like the, the information that's available, especially early in the process, you're looking at the production off last year and that's great. And there's metrics that can come off that, but you're really waiting for the combine to see what these guys are going to run. You know, we got some measurements this week, finally some real measurements and, and it's really wild the difference that a guy will be listed in a college program, like a Jalen Tolbert, for instance, he's from South Alabama and he was listed as a six foot three wide receiver. And you watch him South Alabama at a small school against some of these smaller defensive backs he's going against. And it gives you vibes of a Cortland Sutton. That's able to, that's a smaller school, a bigger wide receiver. Well, then he shows up at the senior bowl and he measures in and he's six one and he's one eighty five, And you're like, well, that's a far cry from the guy that I thought I was watching who I, when I thought he was six foot three, two Oh 10 or whatever it was. And so I think that that's um, analytics, I think are important and they play a part. It's just one of those things that you're waiting to collect some of the data that on that. And especially one of the biggest data points on that is draft capital. And so that's kind of, you're waiting until the NFL draft really to determine. And, and I, I think it's, it's great to, have the amateur um, lens and make your ranks. But I think that you need to realize and recognize that NFL teams, like this is their livelihood and they've got entire staffs of eight to 10 guys that are doing this year round 60, 70 hours a week, especially at this point of the year. And so while we want to think that we know more than an NFL team, and it's, there might be some teams that we do know more um, I think that you need to, as community, we need to lean on the scouting that is actually done from the NFL. Yeah, I think that's the thing. I mean, you want to you want to see what the guy does at, at at that level because, especially when you get into some of the guys that maybe aren't playing in the SEC, and they put up these huge numbers, and you're like, well, what does that mean? 
you know, it's like, yes. it's like in the NFL, you know, when, uh, I forget who it was, I think it was maybe the, the Patriots, uh, went through a stretch where they were like the best defense in football. Uh, but then I looked at the quarterbacks they were facing during, you know, those six or seven games and it was like, I didn't see an elite quarterback in there at all. So, uh, that, that's the big thing. So, uh, yeah, don't look at your what eyes. Is- yeah, and it, and it even goes to the other end too because um, I I remember when J.K. Dobbins in 2019 when he was Ohio State's running back he like didn't take a snap in the second half that mattered until the college football playoff because they were winning all these games by so much that he basically he would run the first series of the third quarter and he was pretty well done and so I think that that's something that uh, if you're looking solely at and the analytics community has done a good job of. Um, having essentially sliders to adjust for those type of things. But you might see a guy like Travis Etienne and say, well, he only ran for 900 yards. And then you see this guy from central Michigan that ran for 1800 yards. And it's like, well, one of them is winning a game 63 to three (laughs) and he's taking the entire second half off. And the other guy is in these barn burner action games that go 48 to 47 late into the night. Oh, that's no, that's so true. So, so true. Um, well, let's let's get into some guys. Uh, I'm going to break yeah. it up. I mean, just from a fantasy standpoint, uh, you know, there's the narrative that <clears throat> this isn't a great quarterback class, you know, coming off of the last years where you had five five players get it and get in the first get selected in the first round. You had Davis Mills who came after after the first round and now he looks like he might be a player down in Houston. Mm-hmm. You got uh, there. There are all these guys, and and a lot of times an NFL draft is kind of graded by what kind of quarterbacks is putting out there. What? Uh, how, how do you compare this class to maybe last year's class, uh, quarterback specific? I can't. You know, I, yeah. I don't think there's any comparison between this year's class and last year's class. Now, certainly, we didn't see the production out of last year's class as rookies that we were hoping to see, and that colors it a little bit. Um, I struggle with this class because I want the league to tell me if one of these guys are a top 10 talent, because right now um, you remember back to the David Carr, Teddy Bridgewater draft class, where it seems like traditionally, like you think about like Blaine Gabbert and Jake Locker class, like guys got pushed into the top 10, but that was the one class that Derek Carr class and Teddy Bridgewater where teams were willing to wait and they just said that there's enough depth. Nobody's differentiating themselves. And so we're willing to wait until the back half of the first round, early second round. And so the first thing that I want to see on this, this class is are any of these guys actually top 10 picks in the NFL draft? If we get to that point and the NFL has got putting two or three of these guys into the top 10, I think that that might change how I would view this class in terms of super flex rookie draft and things like that. Right now, there's nobody that is standing head and shoulders at the top of the class, which that can go two ways because that could say, well, there's depth in this class. There's a lot of good players, but um, especially at the quarterback position, if nobody's doing that, that's kind of a red flag to me that is saying that there there's no clear cut top player and so putting value on that in a fantasy aspect is difficult i think that a lot of these guys have tools of what you want to see in the fantasy aspect you know kenny pickett can run a little bit Luke willis can run a lot and matt coral kind of brings some of that and even desmond ritter brings some of that that gets you excited in their production in the rush game 
and that's what all these NFL teams are looking for right now. These mobile quarterbacks that are able to move the pocket, get some rush yards. And that's what we, we really want in fantasy too. Um, so there are some of those guys in this class. It's just that at this point in time, do you have Malik Willis as your top guy? And then he turns around and he goes in early round four. I mean, we just don't know. And on top of it, especially considering the fact that really Mac Jones is the only uh, of the first round quarterbacks that really was, you know, was a starter from, you know, start to finish and was, and had a good year. Um, we, we definitely didn't see the bet, what we expect to see out of Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. Uh, I think we all really love that potential. I mean, I know you get to see Justin Fields like crazy and, uh, I, I think we're both pretty much fans, fans of his talent. Uh, yeah, we're just hoping he gets a good, uh, offensive coordinator and, and quarterback coach right. down there. Please, por favor. We need good quarterbacks. <laughs> we need more quarterbacks, please. Yeah. Um, how about the running backs in the receiver class? Uh, kind of, how did they stack up? So I think the running backs stack up pretty favorably to last year's class. And so you look at last year's class, there were kind of the big three with Najee Harris, with Javante Williams, and with Travis Etienne. I think you can kind of make the case that there's the same with this class, with Brees Hall, with Isaiah Spiller, and with Kenneth Walker kind of separating at the top. A lot of people really like Kyron Williams and it, it does kind of fall in in line with last year where he's kind of sitting at that as that Michael Carter guy who might end up at your top half of your second round as a smaller back, um, but also brings the pass catching ability. Um, James Cook is a guy that I really like a lot. He mm. didn't put up big production at Georgia and he's a senior. So the analytics community is down on him, but you, you hear the name cook. It's because he's Dalvin cook's little brother and yep. he's shown him the ability to make plays in the passing game. And also if you watch the national championship, he's shown the explosion that he broke off a 70 yard run against Alabama's defense. And so he's able to make plays. Um, Damian Pierce, another guy you got on your sheet here. And I think he's a good guy that he's a solid, he weighed in at 220, the senior bowl, which is what you would love to see. You really want these guys to be in that 220 range because that's where you can kind of lean towards a every down role. And that's the guy that he's showing pass catching ability. And so, but there's so many, I think I look at, there's a big three like there was last year, but last year we really kind of fell off where, um, you know, Ronnie Stevenson was a good find. Elijah mm -hmm. Mitchell was a good find, but it didn't seem like we had too much depth this year. It's like, there's like 20, 30 guys that you can talk yourself into. And and once wow. we really get some testing and some senior bowl, um, you know, Abram Smith is the guy that I really like, but he, on tape and on the program, he was supposedly a 220-pound guy. He weighed in today at 211. Um, Jer Jerome Ford was another guy out of Cincinnati that had that same profile, that 220 pounds that you're looking for, and he weighed in today at 209. And so once we get this information about where these running backs really land on the measurables, guys will begin to separate themselves. But I do think that there's a depth in this class of guys that – are the bigger backs that we didn't really see last year that are able to take the early down roles and fall into production and getting 20 touches a game. And the receivers, I feel like you, you said you really like this receiver class. I do really like this receiver class. There's no Jamar chase. And, and I think that that's the biggest takeaway that when people are, people are down on this class, 
because you look at last year and arguably the, the best player in this class probably would have gone about sixth or seventh in your draft last year as a rookie. And But part of that is because the guys last year were exceptional talents. 2023 is a similar case where it, you know maybe the guy this year would probably go sixth or seventh in 2023 because there's so many exceptional talents coming up. But it doesn't it's kind of unfair to this class because there are a lot of very good productive players that are available. You know, Traylon Burks is everybody's favorite wide receiver on Twitter right now. And he's projects as that typical X wide receiver who kind of almost an AJ Brown. If you're put your mind there that we all love in fantasy football, Garrett Wilson's a guy, he's my favorite wide receiver. He's my mm-hmm. wide receiver one. Um, he's got, he's, a little bit more in the Justin Jefferson mold where he's not that big wide receiver. That's going to body you up like AJ Brown, but he's got that flexibility that he can work throughout formation. Um, you know, kind of like Cooper cup a little bit, kind of like Keenan Allen, another guy out in your neck of the woods that is able to work in out of the slot, able to work outside and really ends up with a high volume role. Um, Jameson Williams is a guy that I'm higher on than a lot of people because he's got that explosive factor and and he tore his ACL. And so that's going to hurt him a lot, but he was expected to crack four, three come in. And if he would have been able to run at the combine and run, run sub four, three, based upon the GPS tracking data that's available on him, that would have opened up a lot of eyes, especially at six foot two. Now that's a guy that he was stuck down the depth chart at Ohio state and, and people use that as a black mark, but you're seeing potentially three wide receivers in front of him at Ohio state that are also going to be first round picks. And then the the other guy that needs to be mentioned would be Drake London out of USC, another guy in your backyard. And uh, you know, he's kind of, he's that big six foot five, 220 pound wide receiver. He falls in the, you look at him and you see the Mike Williams or the Mike Evans and Mike Williams too frame of a guy that can win downfield. The thing about him, though, USC used him a lot in the slot, and USC gave him a lot of volume, that a lot more volume than what you see. I'm not sure if the um, downfield ability explosion is quite there like Mike Evans would be, um, but you know, if you're just kind of not quite Mike Evans, that's pretty good. And and then uh, the other guy was George Pickens. He was hurt this Whoa. year. He had an ACL injury, and so he missed most of this year. He was able to make it back. He made a big play in the national championship game. Now he's a guy that, you know, maybe it's just the Georgia Jersey, but he's kind of that six foot three, that 200 pounds at wiry wearing a Georgia Jersey really reminds me of AJ green. Um, he's, he's probably not that top end of athlete that AJ green was, but it's one of those things that you see the mental picture and you get the vision in your head of, Hey, I, I feel like I've seen this guy before. And so I, that's kind of where I land with him. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Well, you already, uh, kind of tackled some guys. So, uh, I think what we'll do, we'll start with the quarterbacks guys that we haven't, we haven't really talked about a lot. Um, if you can just kind of give me a little, we'll start, we'll throw out a name and then just give me a little bit, uh, 30 seconds to a minute. And if you got a comp on the guy, your favorite things you like about him, start with Kenny Pickett at Pitt. So the thing I like about Pickett is he's got the NFL size that you want to see, you know, six foot three, and he's got, uh, he can, he can run with the ball. And, and so there, there's some great highlights out there that um, he had one crazy juke that I think they, I think they retroactively outlawed the move because he only, he gave himself up, but like went back up and, and yes. he just kind of 
uh, roasted the guy there. And so he's got that, um, you know, called the Konami factor, but the ability to run with the ball that you want to see. Um, so I think some concerns with him, he didn't really have production until his senior year. And I think that kind of raises a red flag a little bit, especially at the quarterback position, because um, did this guy simply need to be older and more experienced than everybody else at this level in order to really have that production? And so that that raises concerns there. And there's also concerns about his hand size, which ends up being kind of a big deal at the quarterback position because it, it does kind of portray to success at the position. It does. It, 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 I mean, you got to hold the ball. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's that simple. You just got to hold the ball. Yes. Um, well, you talked a little about Matt Coral. Anything else you'd want to add or do you have a comp on him? Um, so, so my comp it's, it's probably low for his ceiling, but he reminds me of Gardner Minshew in terms of, I think he's more talented than Gardner Minshew and he can do more than Gardner Minshew, but it's, it's just kind of that play style where he's, he plays with his hair on the, on fire. He's able to run a little bit. He's not going to be Justin Fields out here, but at the same time, he is able to run with the ball a little bit. And so that helps, especially in terms of fantasy, um, but he's just a fun player. And so I think that there's, he's, he's better prospect than Minshew, but at the same time, there are things that, leave me in his game reminding me of him oh okay well one guy that i'm really intrigued by and i think he's more of a project uh is malik willis uh yeah. just incredible physical tools kind of reminds me a little bit of trey lance uh but what are, what are your thoughts on him he is the polish isn't there as a passer and so that, that's a concern to me um i have said throughout the year that what I see with him is a guy that is an SEC level athlete that he should be starting at an SEC school. And he was playing at Liberty under in Hugh Freeze's offense. And Hugh Freeze is one of the best offensive minds in college football. And so I think it was, um, I think he's a talented guy. And I certainly understand for fantasy purposes being excited about him. I don't know if he has the development as a passer to ever really get there as a guy that you can rely on. Um, the comp that I've seen on him would be Cordell Stewart, Cordell Stewart. And so if you're going way back, um, that lo- that athlete, um, and we saw Stewart never really kind of got there as a passer, but he was the explosive athlete that was able to make plays happen. And so that's going in the way back machine. Um, but that that's one that I've seen thrown out and that kind of stuck. Yeah, I remember I had Cordell Stewart on a team after his breakout, and it was not fun. <laughs> it was not fun because they had kind of figured him out a little bit at that point. So, uh, yeah, bad bad memories. Uh, Sam Howell uh, coming out of North Carolina. So he's a guy that if you look at the numbers, he ran a lot, but – um, if you actually watch him play, he doesn't really have the athleticism that projects to the NFL level. He's a guy, he, guy I can't get past Baker Mayfield with him. Um, when mm. I look at the way they play, his I like him the most out of the quarterbacks in terms of the ability to um, him and Carson stronger right there and the ability to throw the ball, um, the ability to put it where it needs to be. Now, Howell measured in today at six feet even. So he's a little bit on the small side, um, but he's one of these guys that if you remember back to when Baker Mayfield was in college, he would show the ability to get out of the pocket and make plays, 
The problem was that didn't really translate to the NFL level because that space just wasn't there to be able to do it. And, and how is a very, when he did run, he's a very physical runner and that's not going to hold up at his size in the NFL level. So he's got functional athleticism to be able to play the position, to be able to move in the pocket, but he's not going to be a guy that's going to be running out here for 40, 50 yards a game. You mentioned Carson strong a little bit in having, having such having one of the better arms in this class. Uh, also, he's coming out of uh, same college as Colin Kaepernick. What obviously is a very different player than Colin Kaepernick. So I'm not going to ask you to comp him, <laughs> comp the two of them, but what do you, what are the thoughts on strong? So he is a, he's a old school. He's a prototypical NFL passer where um, a comp that I love that I heard on him was drew blood. So, um, or, you know, when I watch him play, he's kind of got a little bit of a different delivery. And so I've seen Ben Roethlisberger, but Ben Roethlisberger was an athlete when he was a rookie. And I think people kind of forget that a little bit because we've got the image now of Ben Roethlisberger in our minds. Um, but another guy that kind of reminded me of him, um, Philip rivers, where he's, you watch him throw um, it's and it's his release is so quick, but he doesn't go over the top. Like you're used to seeing really, it's really just kind of a, like it's not the shot put that rivers does, but it's just a different motion, but he's, he's able to get the ball out so quick and his arm talent is phenomenal. I think he's got the best arm in the class. It's just that there are concerns with his athleticism. Now he had a knee injury that he came mm. back from. And, and I've heard conflicting things about the long-term worry on that knee and coming from a smaller school. And it's just one of those things that, NFL teams right now are craving athleticism at the position. And so to have kind of that old school guy that doesn't bring you the athleticism that went to a G5 school, um, it's going to be very interesting to see where, where he lands in the draft. So last one, and this guy didn't really help himself in the uh, FBS bowls, uh, was Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. Yeah, that's a guy that I going into that Alabama game, I, I said that he had the best chance to improve his stock of anybody in the college playoff, and he didn't do it. Um, and so he's a guy that Cincinnati is close to me, and, and I've pulled for him, and he's played a lot of football. He's played a lot of high-level football, and so you want to see him hit. He's got athleticism that you want to see out of the position. It's just there's major concerns about accuracy and processing when it comes to him. Um, whether or not he's going to be able to do it at that level, but he's got an, he's an athlete. He's played a lot of football. You love to see a quarterback that's played a lot of football, seen a lot of action. Um, and I do think that he's probably going to land in that late third, early fourth territory mm -hmm. where um, a team might draft him potentially very Davis Mills esque, where a team might draft him as a project and maybe he ends up hitting, but um, he's certainly not going to be a guy pushing towards the back end of the first round. Yeah, maybe he's uh, Kirk, you know, yeah, Davis Mills, Kirk Cousins type, you know, that guy you get later. And in, in, in yeah, awesome. Well, let's go to the running backs. And you actually kind of covered a, f a few of them. I'm going to start with one, and then I'm going to ask you to give me comps on on the others. Ken, uh, Kenneth Walker, we uh, is getting a lot of love in uh, in, in places like PFF and other places in the draft community. Uh, thoughts on him? 
He's an excellent running back. Um, he he really broke out this year. Obviously, he won the Doak Walker Award. Um, it's kind of weird that he didn't have that production at Wake Forest, and he just kind of popped in one year. And, and so that kind of raises your eyes a little bit. Um, it's hard for me, a comp for him. I feel like I should have a comp for him, but I'm not quite there on him to be able to have a comp yet. Uh, I've watched the guy so much. Melvin Gordon was my comp me like during the season. Mm. I he kind of reminded me of Melvin Gordon where, um, and I guess, yeah, maybe that's where I'll go. Um, that, that kind of player. So. No, I, I like it. I like it. Uh, very similar size and everything like that. If these numbers yes. that, that, that I found on the internet, uh, that numbers being the height and weight are similar to what we're going to see at the combine. Uh, very, it seems like a similar build to like, uh, I mean, uh, kind of maybe like Devin Singletary a little bit like that, but yeah, definitely Melvin Gordon. Um, you mentioned Isaiah Spiller. You talked. You, mm-hmm. you talked a little bit about him. He's a little bit bigger at six one. Uh, what do you? Who do you kind of compare him to? So he doesn't have. He's got excellent feet, and mm. um, he's the the comp. He's not him, but um, would be Le'Veon Bell potentially. If you watch him play, he kind of was one of those things where he's able to pick out yards, and he doesn't really pop on the top end in terms of speed, but he's able to find space and he's able to keep the ball moving. He's able to stay on his feet. He's able to deliver a blow and he's able to be, he's got, they didn't use him a lot. They could have used him a lot more in the passing game, but he's made some really good catches in the passing game. And so that's kind of like that Najee Harris type, that Le'Veon Bell type where he's not the athlete that's going to wow you, but he's got NFL feature back size and he's shown utility in the passing game. Uh, and those guys are going to be, those guys are money for fantasy. They're fantastic. Uh, how about Brees Hall? You talked a little bit about him. Any yeah, I him. think Brees Hall is sitting as my top running back right now. Um, I don't know. I've seen some very aggressive comps that have him as Jonathan Taylor. I'm not there at all. Um, that that just seems crazy to me. But yeah. I, I'm a I'm a guy that I'm a big same school comp guy because I believe that the recruiting departments at schools mm. are looking for types types of athletes that guys that fall in line with what they're used to. And so David Montgomery was the guy that came right before him. I think a, a more um, explosive David Montgomery is probably a comp that I've seen that I think is pretty fair. And so I'm, I'm comfortable going there. I think he's going to be, I, right now, I think he's going to be the first back off the board. Um, it's, that's one of those things that there's such a wide swing on, you know, does he end up as the back in Arizona? Does he end up as the back in Buffalo or does he end up circling back to the top half of the first round? And, you know, you're stuck on one of these bad teams. It is so funny. Uh, I I almost feel like I I get over the excitement of the NFL draft uh, after like one or two picks because I know no running backs are going to be picked or maybe one is going to be picked in the first day. And, uh, you know, really the action is going to be in the set rounds two and three. And I, I, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to watch tomorrow and see who I'm going to be drafting in a few months. And uh, that's when I grew up, it'd be like, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner was always a running back and he'd be the, inevitably he'd be the number one pick in the draft. Tony Dorsett, yep. Earl Campbell, those guys. John uh, Carter. John, oh my God, that one was just, oh, 
that one's still painful. That one is still painful, but, uh, you know, oh man. So, uh, oh, you talked about, you talked a little bit about, by uh, Kyron, Kyron Williams, uh, a smaller back. Who do you kind of see him, uh, compared to? I worry about him. Um, everybody loves him. And, but like, I worry that when I watch him, he, he's so small, but he's the type of back that he loves contact. And so I think when a smaller back like that, you want to see him run away from guys. And, and a lot of times at Notre Dame, um, you know, that the very aggressive comp that I've seen on him is Austin Eckler, but I, he's not, he's not Austin Eckler and he's not that level of athlete. Um, he's a guy that I'm, I'm just concerned about because, if I see a smaller guy that loves contact in college that isn't popping and running away from guys, um, I don't know if that plays at the NFL level. Um, but I, I think that you, you can say Michael Carter for him a little bit where you know, Michael Carter was a smaller back who loves to hit guys. And he was also very useful in the passing game. And so I think you're going to see a lot of value that places him similar, especially in early super flex rookie drafts that are are done before the draft um, but i know that he's a guy that twitter absolutely loves right now and, and you know and, and the funny thing is i, I don't I don't love super flex draft. The idea of super flex, uh, startup super flex drafts or, or rookie drafts happening before the draft. I, I, I don't see, I'm like, be patient. You know, you don't need to, I, I can go both ways because, um, it, it, you know, for somebody like me, it's kind of rewarding because I feel like I'm know what I'm going in there and I have expectations on where guys should go. Um, and I feel like I can, do very well in that. I did one last year and it's why it was wild. Even it, we did it in like February. And when we got to the NFL draft, it was you know, somebody taking Jamar Jefferson in the second round and like guys that ended up like you were not even taking in the, the fourth round. We're going in like round two. And, and so there were some wild values on that. Um, but it's, it's fun because it's um, I, I think that when you wait for the NFL draft and especially you get into summer, um, that consensus mindset kind of sets in oh, and, yeah. and you know, it's safer picks and, and people love to draft within ADP and consensus, but it, it is kind of fun for, especially for somebody like me that has been digging into these players to do that early draft and, and see, you know, I'm going to put my chip on my guy and where is he going to end up? No, uh, I, I, I hear you. Well, I'm uh, luckily the, uh, the, the dynasty leagues that I'm in, they're all doing the rookie drafts after the draft. So I don't blame you. I'll, I I just want to know where I'm, where where the guy is. So gotta love it. Uh, Oh, by the way, we've got a a friend of ours on a friend of ours on the show, Bo McGrair. Mr. Picante. Hola. Hola. Gracias. Gracias for joining. Um, So, you know, a couple, two more, two more guys that you mentioned already, James Cook and Damian Pierce. If you got, do you have a comp on, on those guys? Cook is definitely smaller than his brother. Cook is little. Cook is very small. And so um, a comp maybe on him. Uh, you know, I think Kenneth Gainwell is maybe a, a name mm. that gets thrown out. Um, he's not, he's certainly taller, but um, what Darren Sproles was able to do in the NFL, I think that there's maybe some levels of that on what James Cook is able to do. He's so good in the passing game, and Georgia used him in that area of the field. Um, they just didn't, it's one of these that, um, you know, I look at James Cook at Georgia, and, and if James Cook were at, like, Oklahoma State, is James Cook getting 
like 2000 yards because they're running the entire offense through him. Whereas at Georgia, he's, he's in a backfield with a bunch of five-star recruits and they don't need to do that type, those type of things. But um, he, he may, he's made explosive plays throughout the college football playoff and, and other high level. He's had some injury concerns in the past, but I do have confidence that with Dalvin as his brother, that his body's going to be ready for the NFL because his brother's going to be in his ear on what he needs to do. Yeah, I love bloodlines. Uh, how about Damian Pierce? Any... Damian Pierce is so he's, there's utility in the passing game with him. Um, he's also a limited athlete. The, the the concern is there that he doesn't have the top end. Um, he he's smaller, but maybe like a Ramondi Stevenson type, where mm. um, he's able to be one of those stronger backs is he measured in at 220 today. And so that's what you really want to see with him. Um, now Stevenson's certainly bigger than that. Maybe like a Damian Harris type back where he can fit in that, um, that mold as an early down back, get some, some utility in the passing game. Um, I don't know that he's the type of athlete that would end up as a true feature back. Um, but he's, I think he's a good rotational player that can have, use and you know maybe Khalil Herbert might be another guy that mm. kind of to comp him where we see Khalil Herbert land as a handcuff running back and when he gets a moment he's able to to shine but he's certainly not right now standing out as a going to be a franchise back yeah and you know anybody who picked up Khalil Herbert during the season he had, had him for about four weeks and he was pretty helpful so uh yeah. the receivers you you already talked about them a lot. I want to I want to ask you about the Ohio State guys, Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Um yep. what you, you you already talked about Wilson, he's your favorite player. What kind of comps on both of those guys? Um both both wonderful players but different players. Yeah, Garrett Wilson's a guy that um he, he doesn't you watch him, you know, the type of players where you think like, it doesn't seem like he's running fast, but everybody's getting further away from him. Um, <laughs> it's, it's one of those type of things where it's just effortless athleticism and effortless speed where you, you watch him run. And, and sometimes, sometimes you see guys and you're like, Oh man, those legs are going real fast. And like other times they're just moving quicker than everybody else. And so I think that he's a guy that, that is that for me. And I think that we see a lot right now in the NFL where you don't need to be that traditional bigger wide receiver. If you think back like 10 years ago where there was the Des Bryant's and the Andre Johnson, and like that was your top of your fantasy guys. Now it's a lot more. Um, can you quickly separate? Can you do things after the catch? Can you do those type of things? And I think that he's a guy that fits very well in the modern NFL because really, realistically, receivers aren't getting punished like they used to. And, you know, you watch Debo on, on Sunday. Debo's punishing people. Right? Yes. And so, um, you know, going back to our childhoods, you know, you had the Steve Atwater over the middle. And, you know, if you went over the middle, you, you, you were going to be eating out of a straw that week. Um, but now it's the game has changed quite a bit. And so I think that that's allowed these guys that are just kind of quicker and able to win in those areas of the field to excel. And I think that he's that type of profile. Um, Olave is a guy that Again, I go back to same school comps, but he reminds me high end of like Terry McLaurin, where he's just like mm. he's just kind of a football player um, and he doesn't really do anything that stands out that makes you say, well, he's the fastest guy or he's the biggest guy. It's just one of these things that he's productive and he's 
He fits into an NFL scheme. He, he's able to get on field. One of the, the nice things that Ohio State has done with their receiver room, um, you know, I'm going to toot my guy's horns, but Brian Hartline, former NFL wide receiver, is Ohio State's wide receiver coach, and he's the best wide receiver coach in America. And what Ohio State does with their receivers is they move guys into each different role. You don't have one guy that's playing one role. A guy can be an X on one play, a Y on another play, a Z on another play playing in the slot. And so they have the experience playing all over formation. And so that's one of those things that you just kind of fit him in where you, wherever you need. Like if, if we've got a big wide receiver and we need a guy to complement that, he can do that. Or, or if we've got um, a typical slot and we need him to play on the outside, he can do that. And so I think that's um, – I, I, I really enjoy him a lot. I think he's just a kind of a football player. And, you know, and, and that's the thing. And, you know, another guy that I got on the list, Jamison Williams, was also also coming out of that tree. Yeah. And he just explodes with uh, Alabama. Hated to see him get hurt in the, in yeah. the national championship game. Torn ACL. So you're going to miss this whole – pretty much going to miss the, the whole season. Um, uh, I think he's going to be bad. I, I don't know. I think that the expectation he's going to be back by – hopefully the start of the season, if not the first maybe four weeks or so. That's one. I, I know being back and then it's being back yeah. to who they, who they were. You're right. They always, they always talk about how it's like, you know, it's that year plus the, you know, that, that second year is when they, they have everything back. That's why I'm kind of curious about how Saquon Bell, Saquon Barkley is going to do next year, the second year after the, the knee surgery. But no, I think he's just, uh, I mean, um, an amazing player. Do you have a comp on him? Um, I mean, Jalen Waddle would probably be the easy, Ooh, yes. easy one. Um, just because he's got that speed. He comes out of Alabama. Um, it, and so that that's the easy way to go. Uh, but it's one of those things that everybody kind of looked at Waddle last year and, and kind of thought that he's just a guy that's going to run nine routes on you. And I think that we saw that usage in the NFL was very different. And you love to see that for the fantasy aspect, the way the Dolphins used him in PPR leagues, because they got him the ball in space. They got him the ball a lot. And, you know, Ridley's a, a good count. I think that he's, he's faster than Ridley. Um, I think that's that's a good comp by Bo there. But I think he's got a top end that Ridley doesn't possess. Um, but that that's a good one too. I love it. I love it. Yeah, you you also talked about Traylon Burks before we got into this. Six uh, three. If if the numbers bear out, very similar build to like an AJ Brown, maybe even a little taller than Debo. Uh, could you see that kind of dynamic physical specimen? Yeah, certainly. I, he he looks at it. I mean, he he plays it. It I. I think it'd be interesting to use him in the Debo role where um, he can, because Arkansas did, the, did that a little bit. They got him the ball out of the backfield. And so he does project in that, especially the way that the league is copycat league looking for the next guy that can do that. Um, my concern is that people look at the size strength and expect him to be like a Des Bryant type wide receiver. And I don't, I don't know if I'm kind of there on him because I don't know that he has the, the technical skills. Maybe that those type of guys, I know he's or Arkansas, they stacked him up a lot in formation to try to keep him off press. And he's a physical wide receiver who should be able to beat that, but they did a lot of different things that kind of maps those type of things. And so whether he can do that at the NFL level is going to be an open question, 
but I do think that there's certainly utility, especially in terms of fantasy football. And you already gave me a great comp on Drake London with Mike and Mike Evans. I love, uh, I love that that comparison right there. I think it's it's nails. Last one I want to p- bring up George Pickens, who really helped himself, especially in the national championship game, having that you know uh, showing, uh, you know that, that that big diving touchdown. What do you see in him? He's another six three guy. He's now he's lankier. And and like I said, he's kind of if you were to think about if you go back in time and Julio Jones and AJ Green were in the same draft class, and this would be insane high ends, but Traylon Burks would be your Julio Jones and George Pickens would be your AJ Green, where like they're kind of they're the same height, but they're completely different wide receivers. But I do think that Pickens has that ability. He's shown a lot of ability to win vertically, to go up and get the ball those type of things, whether or not he's going to be a separator at the NFL level might be a question, but he has shown the ability to find the ball in the air. And that's what you love to see with these bigger guys. Well, I wanted to, I wanted to close out on one last football question that's outside of the draft. And I loved how you own so much, you know, especially on Twitter, on your Twitter timeline, so much about zero, the zero RB thought process uh you were unapologetic and i loved it i loved it loved it loved it how did it work out for you this year and what are your recommendations for this year because i'm really starting to get i i've been hero not zero but i may experiment more on zero this year now i i like he now i would say hero is i think is the way to go especially if you're not going to be in a super flex league then i think that hero is pretty obviously the way to go um i did it in i did full zero running back in um scott fishbowl and so my first running back i took was aj dillon in round nine i believe around 10 um my team was if if I had taken the right quarterbacks, my team would have been very good. I made the playoffs. Um, I finished 12th when 10 go on to the second round. So I just fell right outside. Oh. My team peaked at the end of the year. I ended up, though, I ended up. Um, so A.J. Dillon or A.J. Yeah, A.J. Dillon was my first running back I took. Um, I got Debo in like the ninth round. <sighs> Um, so I, I had a pretty good squad and, and I got Gronk late. Um, I was bailed out because I took, um, Daryl Henderson in the 15th round. And so that gave me a guy that I had a starting running back in week one. Um, and then, uh, by the playoffs, my team was pretty solid because I had, um, Rashad Penny. I had, uh, Ramondi Stevenson. I had AJ Dillon. I had, um, Daryl Henderson had gotten hurt. Um, then I had uh, Devonta Foreman as well. So I had guys like I had running backs for the playoffs. I think this year was a, an exceptionally good year to do that strategy because the way that everything fell in place, um, I, I did. I, my quarterback struggled. So I had Ryan Tannehill and I had Russell Wilson as my quarterbacks. Mm. And I was in position that I potentially could have had like Matthew Stafford and Tom Brady instead. And so if I were able to go back in time and, and do those picks, then I might be having a very different conversation right now. Um, I did in, so I had in DK Metcalf and I had AJ Brown. And so in the playoffs, like I had guys that popped and the last week I outscored the guy that ended up winning SFB. So my team was peaking. It was just that I had gotten barely knocked out in the first round. 
Oh yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, I think there's going to be some. Uh, I'm going to be having. I'm, I may bring you back on when when we get closer to draft time, so we can talk more zero RB, especially as you're you've kind of like, you know, sharpened the saw a little bit more by that point. Uh, but yeah, that'll. I, I'm very well, intrigued by it. It's all risk appetite, and it's all. Um, you know, I think it's hard for people to conceptualize it, especially when you're drafting in early July because everybody's saying, "Well, who's going to be my running back?" But then you get till week week ten, and you're like, "Well, yeah, I've got four guys that I can put into this position because guys get hurt." But it's really just that risk appetite of being comfortable, being uncomfortable, essentially. And you're really just focusing on, it's almost a DFS mindset where you're just focusing on getting a good play for that week or getting building to the potential of guys who can become those plays and take over for stretches. And you're not so much worried about this running back is going to be my running back for 16 weeks. You're more worried about, do I get three weeks out of this guy? Do I get four weeks out of this guy? And getting through the season that way and managing it week by week. And as Bo says, never stop drafting. So (laughs) keep practice. Practice makes perfect. So uh, last one is a fun one. Uh, I I can't thank you enough for this. This has been awesome. Uh, I appreciate it. Ohio, you know, you're, you're Ohio, you're in the middle of America. Uh, I have heard from people that they've been able to find some good Mexican food in, in Ohio. I, you know, what are your favorites? So I, I'm a guy that I really like a good pineapple chicken with, um, you, you know, I like a, a good, uh, you wrap it up with a pineapple chicken. I don't like a lot of different food, like different flavors going on in my food, but I like to go for the sweetness there where I've got the pineapple chicken and some melted cheese and in a tortilla and that's the way I like to go. Um, I do run into, so I have, a, I'm gluten-free. I'm a celiac. And so I, once you get kind of the, I don't know if it's a language barrier or, or culture barrier or what it is, but I I've had problems with, um, explaining fully what I really need out of the meal. And some of the, we have some great, um, authentic Mexican restaurants, but, uh, I have problems with my allergy of explaining what I really need. <laughs> and so I've gotten sick after some of those. Um, but there are some great ones around here, but that that's where I would go. I, I like a good dish like that. Well, yeah. Corn tortillas, corn tortillas are gluten-free. So yeah, th- yes. that they're, they're the best friend. And actually I believe, uh, Primo, uh, our, our Primo Bo, uh, is a big corn tortilla fan. So, uh, I'm a big corn tortilla fan too. So I love the flour too for different, uh, but that that's, that's going back to my kid days where uh, I just put a slab of butter on it and just, that's, that's uh, right. That, that, my, that, my daughter's favorite is a, just a flour tortilla. She'll just smash. That's all she wants for a meal, a flour tortilla. But, um, I agree, you know, team corn all the way. Oh, give the the corn. It's so much better for you. It's so much better for you. So uh, do it. And one last one from from Bo that uh, he dropped earlier. Uh, bien, bien guapos ustedes dos. Good looking guys, both of you. So muchas gracias, Bo. Muchas gracias. Thank you for joining us in the chat. Uh, Jeff, this was a blast. Uh, in Spanish, we would say un gran placer. Uh, such a pleasure. Please, I, I know I, I dropped your Twitter handle at the beginning. Please make sure to give us a give us a quick rundown of where people can find everything. You're great, all of the great stuff. 
Yeah, so on Twitter, for whom Jay Bell tolls, the number four. You can find me with football guys. You can find me. I've got content up on Fantasy Pros, a couple more articles coming out. Um, and then, unfortunately, I will be stepping away from Fantasy Pros to focus on football guys and on the Debbie Royale on Tuesday nights at 930. And we have some other special surprises that are right around the bend that will be coming out soon. Um, and then coming off the edge, my, my friends and I, you know, Corey Spela, uh, Nate Polvo, and Chef James Cress, we do it at 7 o'clock on Tuesday nights, too. We get together and we just kind of hang out. It's one of those things that we don't have any real plan on our show. Um, it's just a group of friends that we just said we're going to take an hour out of our week to spend together and we'll do it on a show. But um, it's really just more about having those relationships. Oh, man. And, I, and you know what? I'm friends with the, a couple of those guys. You ever you, somebody ever needs to take a night off or something like that? You just you, you just shoot me a text and see uh, if you need somebody to come in and just, uh, do, man. you know, shoot the breeze and everything like that. Okay. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Muchas gracias, Jeff. Thank you. And uh, familia, eso es todo for our show. Uh, special thanks to youtube for putting us out there putting us live please make sure to give us a like and subscribe also please make sure to follow us on facebook twitter instagram at familia ffb you can find me at jorge martin 17 big shout out to anchor for putting our independent podcasts out on apple google and spotify so please give us a like and subscribe and if you give us a review i know you're going to give a five star review to this episode because jeff would just really really brought that he brought the calor it was caliente it was great great and i know we need calor in uh in ohio right now because it's cold uh <laughs> but uh everybody remember todos somos familia salud